to Partners in Change with Bree Dodd and Christian Dawson. Thanks for joining us on Partners in Change. This week, we have a really interesting talk with Nick Davis. And um, when we decided we were going to do this podcast, he was one of the very first people that came to mind. He's done some really good and important work trying to help this community during COVID, and we wanted to tell you about it. Um, But having known Nick for a few years, when he started doing that work, it didn't surprise us. When I first came across Nick, I went to him for a headshot when I first moved to town and I needed a new headshot. And in addition to doing great photography, um, he said he wanted to know all about my business and he wanted to find ways that he could help. And so turning to this city in a crisis and figuring out how he could help was completely in his nature. Um, So excited to share this story with you. So let's jump into it. Welcome, everybody. You are here at Partners in Change. Uh, Partners in Change is a new podcast, and we're focusing on change that's happening in the city of Richmond. The conceit of the show is that we're trying to get at the prime movers of what's happening and what's happening in this city. And I think that the big story is a combination of a whole bunch of little stories. And so we're going to go out there and we are going to talk to a whole bunch of people about change in their lives and change that they're bringing to the city. And we're going to try and learn from that. Hopefully in the process, we'll learn a little bit about what's happening in our city. What do you think, Bree? I think I am very excited. And mostly excited because I get to talk to one of my favorite people in Richmond today, Nick Davis. Nick Davis is one of my favorite people in Richmond, too. One oh of my gosh. My, certainly my favorite <laughs> uh, photographer in town. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We're very happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm very, very excited. I love this kind of stuff. It's always fun to talk. So, uh, So one of the things I was thinking about as we were sort of prepping to do this talk is that in photography, you know, you're a photographer by trade. Mm -hmm. um, You do great work. Thank you. Uh, Art is, uh, your art is sort of light-based, right? Light is your medium, Mm -hmm. right? This past year has been probably, it's been hard for a lot of different industries. It's probably been really hard for photographers. Yeah. I take photos of people. Yeah. And when you can't be near people, there's not a whole lot of work that can be done. so yeah, it's, it's pretty challenging for sure. So here's my little uh, little little flourish, right? I was thinking that like you have found new ways to cast your light <laughs> this year. Yeah, Christian. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> get out of here. It's true. It's true. I can't wait to explore the different ways in which you have uh, you know figured out how to give back to your community and change uh, what you've been focusing on in the past year. Uh, and I want to hear all about it. Sweet, I it's been a it's been a fun project. So, do you couple uh, projects? I think couple projects. Yeah, we've done a handful of different things. You're right. I I, uh, I sometimes get focused on the all consuming one, and I forget like some of the other things that we've been able to accomplish and do over the past year. Um, but it's been it's been awesome too. You know, made some amazing, incredible new friends. Gotten really close with the people I'm close with. Um, so, well, maybe let's start. Back before that, let's start at what life was like before, uh, you know, before, before March 11th, we'll say, yeah, I think that's that's the first email I got that 
that my life was going to be impacted professionally by COVID. Uh, yeah. So November to, uh, February. So 2019 was like my most rocking year for photography as a business owner. Uh, and I'm, I was stoked because I'm self-taught business owner, self-taught photographer. And I've had a lot of really great mentors and friends kind of help me out along the way, but like, it was a lot of learning on the job, making a lot of mistakes, sleepless nights, early mornings, working multiple jobs at one point or another. And I've been doing it for seven years. And so after seven years to have such an incredible year of 2019, um, I was like stoked. Um, Mm -hmm. the end of 2019, we were in Cancun for one, for one of our projects, Cancun, California, uh, and Kenya. And then in January and February of 2020, we were in Thailand, Armenia, Ukraine, and oh my gosh. Budapest. Yeah. And and I had a call with a client that would have been probably four or five times larger of a potential dollar amount payment mm-hmm. um, that was going to be like reskinning a financial institution's website. You know, and like I was like, 2020 is gonna be awesome this kicks ass and then march 11th i was on a job at centera with my buddies that i've teamed up a lot with over the past year spreading some of this light um and uh i get an email followed by a phone call uh just simply stating that um all of the contracts for that particular client were canceled for the year um and so um I wasn't super shocked because it was an outdoor running client and we created marketing material for them. So I was like, kind of makes sense in the middle of a pandemic to cancel outdoor events. Like that's cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't anticipate it. Like that being the first domino that fell, uh, where everything was gone within about two weeks. Within about two weeks, yeah. you go from having like, the best booked year that you've ever had to the to beginning having- of it. Yeah. Yeah. The be- beginning of 2020, if I looked at month over month, I was like, up 300% over the previous year. Dang. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, dude, this is going to be awesome. And then nothing. You go from there to nothing in two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Uh, so, so, you know, we sort of know where you got to from that. We're going to share that with our podcast listeners, but like what, who, where do you start? Um, Figuring out what to do next. Yeah. So I think, um, Shout out to like Dave Ramsey, uh, if you will. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not, but he's like a fine, he does this thing called the Financial Peace University. And so my wife and I have been very disciplined over the past eight years of marriage of ha- like working on savings, working on budgeting, all that kind of stuff. And so when my income evaporated, um, we didn't necessarily have a huge, oh shit moment. What are we going to do? We were, we had some flexibility to like think through and, make a plan and try to execute that plan as best as possible. And initially, uh, my wife like pulled the life emergency break. She's like, we're pulling the kids out of daycare. You're going to be a stay at home dad. And you know, you're going to sell your stuff because there's no work. And I was like, you need, we need to chill for a minute. You know, like, <laughs> we're, we're fine. We're, we're totally fine. You've got an incredible career. We probably will need to tighten our belt a little bit, but we, this is not, the opportunity to like readjust absolutely every time, everything. Cause we're already in a crisis. Like why would we want to create more angst and anxiety if it's not really necessary? And, 
And I'm a firm believer that if, if worry isn't adding anything, these aren't totally my words, but if it isn't adding anything, then there's no use to have it. Like if worry pushes you to be better at something, then it's useful. But if worry does absolutely nothing but add an extra layer of anxiety or pain or uh, like l- loss of sleep, then there's no good. So what, what, why, why even do it? Amen. I want to, I know totally. Amen. I actually want to stop and I want to, I want to hear that first line again. It's not my word. This is Dan Harris. Okay. Um, from a book called 10% happier. Love the book. It's okay. amazing. Um, but he just simply says, if worry doesn't serve you, you shouldn't hold on to it. You should just like, let it go. Cause it doesn't, it, it, it absolutely, it's like more like poison than anything else. But sometimes worry can motivate you. Like if you've got a deadline for something and you're worried about hitting that deadline, you're going to stay up late and make sure you do a good job. Whereas if you're worrying on things that are fully outside of your control, mm-hmm. like a pandemic and you know that you're okay, like you check your guardrails, we're probably going to be okay financially, then okay, let's just make a plan and stick to it and be fine. And and we did that, but it definitely took a few trips around the moon yeah. to, to have that conversation. We didn't have it great the first time or the second time or the third time. It was like, you know, working it out, if you know what I mean. Some of, some of the conversations were maybe a little intense, but we got where exactly where we needed to go, you know, and it was a good learning thing for both of us, I think. With, with you and your wife? Me and my spouse, yeah. That's fantastic. Lindsay, yeah. And you, and you got, with the help of Dan Harris, who I am taking a note to read <laughs> right away. <laughs> yeah. It's a fantastic book. You got to a grounded place where you could sort of take the time to figure out where you were going to go next. We're, we're focused on change. Yeah, So like, absolutely. How, how, how are we going to change to make sure that my career is heading in a, in a different direction than the one that was taking me around the world doing incredible things? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we're in, so Liz and I, again, are having this conversation. It's like the third or fourth time and it's all focused kind of on us. It's like, what are we going to do? How are we going to change our budget? All of these things. And, and I struggle with being very myopic, like really self-centered all the time anyways. And so when the conversation is constantly around, like, what are we going to do? Um, I, I can get to a place of personal distress where I'm like, I got to get out of my own head. I got to like do something that, that serves someone else. It's not about me because I'm in like a weird funk. And that's kind of how I break it is I just like try to help someone else. Um, and so I um, was pacing upstairs and I, I've had this thought a lot in the past. I'm not sure if this is where you're going to continue. Um, yeah. So I had, I've had a thought a lot in the past of, of giving away free headshots to support causes. Um, and I found that um, photography as like a donated service is oftentimes like a dentist volunteering to work on your teeth for free. It's like, even though that might be a really, really great value, probably not going to sign up for it because it's not a very enjoyable experience. And so I would offer to give away free headshots to support things like, um, stay cozy RVA or, um, tool shed RVA, like whatever these nonprofits are. And I'd show up at a brewery, set up a backdrop, grab a camera. And people would literally say, can I just donate and you not take my photo? And so, uh, I was like, yeah, that's fine. And, and I would just donate the money or whatever, but I I'd always try to figure out a way I could marry my passion of service with like uh, a passion of service, you know, like my service is providing professional headshots, but I like doing things for people and giving things away, but I could never really get those things to, to kind of come together. Enter pandemic 
same idea, offering headshots to anyone that's lost a job. I realized that's also like giving someone an umbrella in the middle of a flood. It's like maybe thoughtful, but not the right tool or not the right thing. Um, and so I, I got on the phone. I called Paul Spicer. He's a really, really good close friend of mine. And I said, uh, Paul, um, this is the thought, but what if we could also, you know, cause he's a copywriter. I was like, what if people would do resume review? You know, would you be into that? And he was like, I'm totally in. I think it's an incredible idea. I think you should try to find some coaches. And if you can gather people, I think it could be a great resource that's going to be very needed. And I was like, excellent. So I went to my computer, wrote an email. Um, It was like two lines. And I sent it to six people that have either I've either worked with or were mentors of my own. And five of them came back and said, I'd love to help out. Just let me know what you need. And so I was like, sweet. And called call called Paul again, and um, I said, "Paul, we have a team. There's six of us. Um, what are we going to call it?" And uh, Paul was like, "You know, I've been holding on to this name for a little while, and uh, I really think this is a great fit." And he says, "You know, what if we called it Sidekick?" And I was like, "I." freaking love it. <laughs> and I like my brain kind of exploded with a bunch of ideas of like branding and positioning about how uh, the, the, the coaches and the photographers could be the sidekicks and the people we help can be the center stage hero, the people that we want to like elevate and push to the front all the time. And, uh, and so I was like, this is tight. And so then I, uh, I went to LinkedIn with a lot of excitement and I, I wrote something like COVID-19 has been cha- incredibly challenging to my business. I've pretty much lost every client this year. I've chosen to take my time and resources to put together this service called Sidekick RVA. We're going to give away free headshots, free resume review, and free coaching website to follow next week, you know, and I hit enter. And I'm not like a wordsmith. If I could tell you how many times I misspell things and mess up copy in a day, it's astounding. Uh, And uh, that post, for whatever reason, kind of went viral for me. It had somewhere around like seven or 8,000 engagement. And, um, I typically get like 70, you know? So for me, it was like a huge success, random yeah. posts talking mm-hmm. about sidekick. And we had 12 new coaches kind of come out of that. And, and one of the things I realized early on, and it's something that I really love about Richmond is that like, no one knew what to do in, at the very beginning of COVID because there, cause nothing like sidekick existed. So no one knew kind of where to plug in. But as soon as sidekick kind of like rose to the surface, people are like, that's where I want to help. I've been trying to figure out how to help and now I know where I can help. And so it's just like, it became an overnight success because people were already itching to do something. That is so great. So when you're talking about the engagement that you got from putting yourself out there and saying, I've got this way to help people, you're talking about engagement back on both sides. You're talking about people raising their hands saying, yeah, I need help. Yeah. I, I, well, this no- has hit me hard. And you're saying that people reached out and said, I'm pitching in too. Yeah. This is the way that I want to be able to help give back as well. Correct. But it was way more on the scale of people wanting to help the first two weeks than it was people needing help. Like we, we yeah. launched the site and we, and I was constantly adding two or three new coaches a day for the first two weeks. Uh, and we went from a team of six. to I think we have close to 50 now. And that's, that's slowed down a lot. Like, because we have 50 coaches, like that's a ton of people yeah. involved in this thing. Um, but, and then it's kind of reversed. Like we're getting more and more interest from people needing help. Um, and, um, 
but yeah, for the first two weeks, it was all people being like, I just heard about this amazing resource. How can I get plugged in? The very first email that came through, like I'll never remember, forget it. Uh, it and it and it kind of blew my mind because it wasn't necessarily the, the demographic I thought would be striking. You know, mm-hmm. like for whatever reason, I think when I had the idea or when I have ideas like this, I I see people through the lens of like my own personal experience, where like I didn't go to school and I needed someone to kind of show me the ropes. You know, and so I built it thinking like there was a bunch of young Nick Davis is out there ready to like start their own businesses and they just needed the right people in their lives to help them get there, you know? And the very first email that comes through is a woman who has worked in her career for like 36 years. She hasn't looked at her resume in 36 years and she's completely lost and has no idea what to do. And so for, for, for two and a half weeks, I was like, this was a really friendly idea, but no one's ever going to use it because no emails came through for like, it was like lots of interest around helping, but no interest around needing. Uh, and then that came through and I was just like, sweet, like not sweet for her. Right. I feel really poorly that she's going through this moment, but like we are helping people, you know? And I was like, cool. Like the, all the work people have put into this will pay off and it will pay off in rewards of like, we get to be a part of her story and try to help her find her way. So, so you're telling me now that you're in a, you're, you now have a situation where you've got over 50 different people who are helping with, uh, you know, career coaching with resume help. You're doing headshots mm-hmm. for free. You basically got an army of RVA, uh, uh, focused people that are there wedded, ready to help people yeah. sort of get back to work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We've got big plans in the works for it. Um, we're trying to work on a, an easier intake, both on the coaching side, as well as on the, the people needing help side, where they can potentially create a, a login where their resume can live and they can make adjustments to it as they get mentored or as they go through the process of applying for different jobs. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of ideas around expanding it around um, partnering with uh, the Chambers of Commerce and RVA Now and trying to uh, trying to help connect mentorships and internships, like really just, you know, trying to find where there might be some gaps where we can just plug in. Currently um, serve the offices of community wealth building by um, running a resume panel for their case managers. And then that information trickles down from the case managers to the participants. Wow. That's amazing. Well, uh, you know, I think that what you're doing with Sidekick RVA is absolutely um, inspiring. Um, bringing it back to to your career trajectory. Yeah. Is it ending up in a situation where you, you, you're doing a lot of photo shoots? So... Um, I would say things are coming around a bend for me professionally. I would, I would say um, I have a really good team that I work with um, both in the video side and the photo side. And like I, this one of my buddies, Dan, who probably in February came, started coming by the studio and we just started working on personal projects, kind of honing our skills and, and creating content for the joy of just doing it. Cause we like to make cool shit. And uh, that has generated more business than anything I've ever, I think I've ever done for my business. Just creating content is people are like, this looks really cool. 
what does that cost to do for my brand or my business? And so it's been really, really exciting um, to see kind of that new business growth because it's been very dormant for the past year. And my my standard clients, I would call them, still haven't come back yet. So I'm experiencing growth, which is great. And if my old clients come back around, then it'll be hard to manage everything, which will be <laughs> a lot of fun. I'll be yeah. happy for that headache. Yeah, sure. Is this project um, where you're doing content that you think is is useful? We had talked about you how you started multiple projects. Yeah. What's did you have a? Is this the project? Um, the video project. Yeah, video project. So, uh, come together, Virginia was a, was a piece that we teamed up with with Ryan uh, as the pandemic laid in right. as well. Uh, they were the people I was doing the Sintera work with at the beginning of my story, um, and we interviewed I think eighteen Richmond businesses that talked about how they pivoted and changed their business. Um, and there's a beautiful like three and a half compilation in there where uh, you get just to hear these like proof texted moments where people talk about their piv- their pivotal moment, you know, and it's, it's absolutely one of my favorite pieces I think I've made to date with collector. Um, and, uh, and like, cause some businesses had to start running, um, turn their entire food business into like delivery essentially, or like, Reservoir Distillery here in Richmond started making hand sanitizer. Shaco Denim in North and Badco out of Virginia Beach started making masks instead of their standard products. Um, and so it was just really kind of powerful to see, again, a community rich with resource kind of find ways that it can support itself. So you're doing this with Collector Studios? Yeah. And um, people can find it on... Get- ComeTogetherVirginia.com. Yeah. I tell you, guys, there are some absolutely incredible stories there. You can go ahead and you can take a look at uh, some of the stories that are incredibly so inspiring. Bree, it's the kind of stuff that we're trying to focus our attention on as we uh, jump into this podcast and try to tell the stories around Richmond. They've already done it for us. They've told these stories. If you want sort of a, a really quick take on what it is we're trying to uncover with this podcast, we can look at your uh, compilation clip that we're talking about, which is, I think, one of the most moving things that I've seen in years. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's super, super powerful. And then the other piece that, that we, we were talking about earlier is the Colorado piece, which is, um, again, this is like my buddy Ryan um, really pushing me to be a better at what I do, um, hit me up and said, hey, man, like, we've got two weeks where you don't have a lot going on. Do you have any friends that are like interesting that we could go just tell their story? And I was like, I don't think so. And uh, he's like, what about Mickey? And and I kind of want to be like, if you knew who you wanted to ask about, like, why did you just like <laughs> ask me if we could go do something about Mickey? But, uh, and I was like, Oh yeah, Mickey is really interesting. And, uh, and he's like, do you think you'd be into it? And I was like, let me ask. Actually, I was like, I'll reach out, you know, but in my mind, I'm like, man, if you already kind of had the person that you wanted to do this about, like, why didn't you just tell me? Uh, but he is always a positioner. Like he, he knows how to get you where he wants you. He so, also knows me. So who is yeah. Mickey? So Mickey uh, condensed is probably one of the most interesting people I've ever met. He's got a crazy life story based on his own personal experience of the decisions that he's just made to follow. He's a, I think he's a physicist. Um, he's a world renowned professional slackliner. He's performed at events like Cirque du Soleil. 
uh, for some very famous uh, artists doing like acrobatic trapeze stuff. He got married, suspended in, in what's called a space net over um, uh, a canyon in Moab. Oh my and, gosh. <laughs> and in, instead of kissing the bride, or I guess maybe while kissing the bride, he jumped through a circle that was a 300 foot rope swing. And he, like, they were both strapped in, but still uh, pretty intense. And I got to photograph that. So I got to photograph his wedding in Moab, which is pretty tight. There was a golden uh, Elvis at the reception. Excuse me. It was in the middle of summer and people were coming and going from Burning Man. So the audience was eclectic. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, and um, and then Mickey was in the news uh, and he was on. I can't remember a talk show of uh, she's a blonde lady. Blonde talk show. Blonde talk show. She's been around forever. She used to be a famous actress. It's not Ellen, is it? Yes, it is Ellen. Ellen. But I couldn't, I couldn't think of her he name. Ellen DeGeneres. Yes, yes, I could not think of her name. So he was on Ellen DeGeneres because he saved a, this guy's life, um, again, using kind of some of his life skills. So like this guy got picked up by a ski lift and he was getting hung by his backpack because it was like a uh, sling. And so the sling essentially became a noose around his neck and he was being lifted away by the chairlift. He shimmied up the pole and then butt scooted down the cable. And then by the time he had gotten to the guy, uh -huh. um, the rescue crew threw up a knife and there's a video where it's like the very first throw, Mickey catches it and like swipes it like out of the movies and saves the guy's life. So it's like the oh most ridiculous God. heroic Unreal. thing that he had the perfect skill set for, you know, like anyone else <laughs> would been like, I can't climb this thing or scoot down that little teeny tiny cable you know and so he was just perfectly equipped for that experience so ryan was absolutely right i want to i want to focus on mickey too. mickey I learn mickey's his pretty story. incredible mickey's pretty incredible so they what have was a, it telling his story like uh it was awesome man it was it was really cool um because i had already kind of gotten to peek behind um the curtain and and i'd gotten to see mickey on probably one of the happiest days of his life you know probably second to only having his son rio uh, and, and party with him and drink with him and hear stories about Mickey. Uh, hear his family tell incredible stories about Mickey at that reception. Some of the funniest stories I've ever heard in my life are from his dad, you know, talking about Mickey when he was a kid and they're just in my brain, you know, and, and, uh, and Mickey kind of went down as like, he's a solid dude. I really like him a lot. And so anytime I get to see him, I jump at it, but he's not like the person I think of when I'm like, Oh, who's an interesting guy. Cause he's also super chill. He carries everything he does so lightly um you know he's he's a he's a good guy so this is one of your new features you got coming out soon. yeah it's, like an eight, it's our longest piece it's 18 minutes i don't want to reveal too much of it because i want to keep you guys like on the hook but uh it should be out in the next month i think and we're going to try to do a couple different releases uh i think we're going to try to talk to common house to see if they'd be willing to host like a, just a small release party here if we could pack it out nice. if they'll let us pack it out yeah a plug for Common House. Common House is also where we tape our uh, our podcast. Uh, so uh, we, we we like Common House very much. Yeah, they're pretty pretty cool guys. Okay, so I want to back up a little bit because if we're on the topic of slackline, because one of my favorite stories is how you got into photography as a as a photographer. Self taught. Yeah, that's self how I met Wilson uh, or Mickey Mickey Wilson. Oh, not Wilson. His last name is Wilson. Um, so I um. So if we're going to talk about that story. I kind of have to tell a little bit of another story. Absolutely. Go. Okay, sweet. Uh, so Lindsay 
Scott was my girlfriend. She's now my wife, Lindsay Davis. She, I was working, uh, I was managing um, a retail store in Richmond, which is how I landed in Richmond. And it closed. And I had my eyes set on my next retail job, which was at Apple. But um, they had froze all hiring across the board after my fourth interview. So I had gone through like all of this entire process of like thinking I was going to get a job and then like crickets, you know, and I'm like, what the F? Because I had no other backup plan. And so I was driving from Richmond to Virginia Beach, essentially doing landscaping for a buddy of mine because I used to live at the oceanfront and I would go down there Monday to Friday, work my ass off, come back on the weekends, hang out with Lindsay and then go back on Monday and do it again for like an entire summer while I waited for Apple to kind of get back to me. And, uh, cause I knew I had it. Like I literally knew I had it. It was the most I'd ever prepared for an interview and I crushed it. Uh, and so, um, and so at the end of the summer, Lindsay sends me an email and she says, Hey, do you want this? And it was like a Craigslist link. And I was, I opened it and it was a Canon 5D Mark II, which at the time, 10 years ago, it was like a pretty kick-ass camera. It was, it was, it was a wonderful, it was a professional series camera. And I was like, yeah, I want this. Are you serious? And so she bought it for me. We went to Best Buy, I bought a lens. And, uh, about six months later, um, uh, maybe it was, I guess, no, that's not true. About two years later, so I started taking photos all the time with it and making friends, taking photos. And I started hearing, you should do this for a living. And I was like, no, probably not. You know, it's, it's hard. I don't really know how to start a business. And after two years of like kind of hearing people tell me I should do this, I was like, maybe I should do this, you know? And uh, I was sitting at uh, the Roosevelt with Lindsay and we were married. And I said, you know, can I have permission to try this because i i didn't want to go down this road without her full support i didn't want to try and fail and her be able to be like you dummy you shouldn't have done that you know and because it would have crushed me and so she was like no i 100 percent believe in you and think that you have the skills to like really do this and i was like f yes nice i didn't say f yes i i was very expletive excited about it but uh so i rented a lens so i put myself out there. I put myself out there on Craigslist, no less. And I said, anyone want me to do their engagement session? And this guy called me and, uh, he says, your price seems very reasonable because it was very cheap. And, uh, but I told him I needed to rent a lens to do it because I didn't have the gear he, that was required. So I rent the lens, shoot the engagement center session. Uh, then I take that equipment to another event at called river rock, which is where like people do BMX skate run river, uh, activities all outdoor way more my vibe probably than the engagement session that day. And, uh, I'm photographing slacklining. I'd never, ever seen this before in my life. So I'm just like mesmerized. I'm like, these guys are like 12 and he just did a double backflip on a string that's two inches wide and flat what in the world is happening? Like, I, I just, I didn't have a, a, a paradigm for it. You know, it was just like, they were breaking the laws of physics in my mind. And so I was just going nuts taking photos and I must've looked like I was having a lot of fun taking photos. Cause this girl, Jamie tapped me on the shoulder and she said, Hey, do you want to climb on our scaffolding and uh, take some photos? And I was like, I don't have a press pass or anything. She's like, it's okay. We own everything. Just don't hurt yourself. So I just embedded myself in that little group for two days because I got so pumped on it. You know, for me, it was just like, 
I just said, I want to start a business and people were asking me to take photos, you know, my second day on the job. So I was like, this is pretty cool. And then two weeks later, they flew me to Vail for the GoPro mountain games. And I just was like, I cannot believe this is happening. <laughs> like, wow. I, I said, I want to do this. And then all of a sudden, it's like, all I had to do is ask. And then the opportunities just came to me. It's like the fates are conspiring to yeah. put you in the position where you. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's fun, you know, and it's like, it's fun because I, I've been able to be successful at it. I try not to lose sight of that. Like if this was a drudge of a process where it, it starting my business maybe wasn't as, as easy or there was way more barriers to entry, I would probably feel very less romantic about it. But it's like, it was such a beautiful experience and it's been almost at ease. It's had stressful moments for sure and learning curves. I've made mistakes and I've definitely screwed some things up, but like, I think I can talk about it the way I do because it, it is like, it's a, it's a, it is a, uh, what is that? What is that? Where they say it's, if it's a burden of love, it's like easier to carry. I don't know. That's nice. That's I don't nice. know. It's something if, like if it's that. It's a burden of love. It's, it's easier, easier to, to carry. carry. Yeah. That's great. I, someone else said that. That's, that's not great. a Nick Davis thing. I'm that's, just really good at remembering a- other people's <laughs> Man, I love great it. words. This is great. If it's a burden of love, it's easier, easier to, to carry. carry. Yeah. Well, that's you great. just enjoy and- doing the things that are, if you enjoy it, but it's hard. It feels less hard. Well, it's, it sounds like your path has been organic, but it's been driven by something that you're passionate about and something that you and your wife are communicative about, which yeah. cannot be, you know, under stressed. We still have difficult conversations around it. I spend too much money on gear and with success is busyness. And like, that's like the other heart, like the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. And we have two small kids. Yeah. yeah Asher and Sawyer who are, equally amazing in their own rights. Um, and it, it's just like we fix one problem, but then discover another, you know, it's, it, you never fix everything. So, okay. Slacklining. Is that where then where you met, uh, Mickey, Mickey. Yeah. That's where I met Mickey. And then I spent, it's incredible. Yeah. I spent more time with him in Vale for the GoPro mountain games. And then he put that call out on Facebook talking about how amazing his wedding was going to be. And I just simply said, yo, let me shoot that. And he called me the next day and he's like, you want to shoot my wedding? And I said, do you want to buy me a plane ticket? And he said, yeah. I said, tight. (laughs) So I was there and it was an incredible four or five days just to get to spend time with him. That's incredible. And now when you're doing all this incredible storytelling work with coming Come Together Virginia and stuff like that, like I can hear the passion in your voice when you're talking about, you know, doing storytelling around Mickey mm-hmm. and those experiences. And it's incredible. And when, when you go to comfortcatherjunior.com, you can see those, that same kind of passion brought to stories like Vossen and uh, Reservoir Distillery and Chaco Atelier and River City Roll and lots of other really interesting, incredible stories here in Richmond. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Absolutely love it. Absolutely. Love Nick Davis. <laughs> love me some Nick Davis. So it sounds like you have a pretty interesting story because you are a full embracer of change, right? And I think a lot of people have resistance to change. What would be your advice to someone that's trying to take a leap but is afraid to, like, trust that? Hmm. That's a really good question. And... I've so I've had the opportunity, I'll say, to hit reset twice on my life. I was living in Texas. I was bartending, what? and it was fine. I liked it, 
but I was making a lot of not great decisions. I was definitely consuming unhealthy amounts of alcohol and, uh, I, I wouldn't, maybe it wasn't, it was just a lot, you know, and I was really emotionally young, if that makes sense. And, uh, I woke up one morning and I was like, I'm not happy. I, uh, I looked in the mirror and I was like, I don't really like the decisions I'm making. Um, and so I called my, my, one of my best friends. So one of my great friends today, admittedly years has made us a little bit more distant, but, uh, I said, Liam, I think I want to move to Virginia beach. Uh, that cool. And, uh, <laughs> he said, yeah, man, come on. I'll see if I can't help you find a job and a place to stay before you get here. So then I went in to my job and I put my two weeks in and I drove my 1995 white Ford Taurus to Oklahoma where my grandmother put new wheels on it. Nice. And I drove to Virginia and that was it, you know, and I, and I hated it. I hated Virginia beach. I did not like that season of my life. It was great being close to good friends and good people, but it wasn't my home. It didn't feel like my home until I landed in Richmond and, and, and Richmond was kind of my second opportunity to hit reset. So like the first reset was like, okay, cool. I thought I wanted all of these things, but I hated it. And now that I'm in Richmond, I know myself a lot better. I was like 26 and I was able to really find my stride in my community. And so I think I understand the apprehension of, of, of change or like, jumping into the next thing. But I think if you're unhappy, you don't really have much to lose. A thousand percent. It's, that It's still scary <laughs> as hell though. How do you not get consumed by that fear? What's scary about it? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the unknown, right? But you can figure a lot of that out. You can answer a lot of those questions. I think you just got to figure out like how to answer those questions, like write them down and be like, okay, like what makes me nervous about this change? I don't know how much you'll get paid. Do a little research, you know, like you can research jobs and find and find out what that's going to look like. Money and place to stay are, I think are the two main things that worry just about every single person alive. Yeah, sure. and, and obviously food, all that's connected to finances. And I think if your change doesn't involve finance and it's just more of like you're moving. I mean, I, I, I guess I, I, for me, it's always, I always have a motivator, you know, and that motivator is very clear and strong for me. And so, and if I, and, and if it's not, if the change requires zero financial commitment from me or financial change, then I typically embrace it because it's probably going to be good for me. The financial ones are the harder ones because you're either going to spend more or be required to spend less. And I like to spend money. So, <laughs> well, um, you know, one of the things I admire about you and what you've done is that your instinct to go from the fact that like, oh, I'm about to have my best year of financial year ever. I need to figure out what to do next. That the answer you came up with was give a whole bunch of stuff away. Well, so yeah, I was, so I think sometimes you get to make the decision to change. And I think sometimes like that decision is just kind of thrust upon you. It's like you either change or you like, you die. Right. Like it's like adapt or die, you know? And so like for me, one of the positives that has come out of sidekick that has helped me. Um, yeah, I got you. Uh, one of the positives that has come out of sidekick for me personally is that, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a very positive motivational way to stay in front of people to, um, 
to take a free headshot and have someone say thank you and share on LinkedIn. And like that means so much to me professionally because I am giving away something of value to me, my time, camera, whatever, photos, whatever, but my time, that's like the valuable piece to me. And so, um, and the other thing, like, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't have Grant Millsaps writing me a punch list four years ago about kind of getting my shit together with like finding an accountant, emailing people. Uh, If Adam Mead hadn't challenged me to walk into business offices and like pitch myself on the spot, uh, like that was super uncomfortable, but I did it and I got business out of it, you know, and, and Shannon Siriano, who's another mover shaker here in Richmond, if she hadn't taken the time to help me with my business plan, like I, so, and all of these people gave their resources away to me for free. Didn't pay for a single one of them. Some of them I paid, uh, did on trade and some of them, it was just the relationships that I had with them. You know, they were really kind people and in this stage of life that I was at with Grant, you know, he wasn't the CEO of the Frontier Project. He was uh, a manager at Apple. And so I had access just to incredible people. And I had access to incredible material working at Apple uh, for personal development. And so, um, you know, I try to be very as generous as I can be. I don't come from a lot. Um, and that's, I think that's the other, my, maybe I don't know if it's a superpower, but like my wife d- isn't like, she's not like a trust fund kid at all. Like, we had student loans, but we were able to pay them all off. Hashtag Bitcoin. Uh, and um, we were able to, uh, you know, get really, really lucky with that. But like she comes from a very stable environment where her finances, her parents' finances were probably never shook or rocked. Whereas like that wasn't the case for me, you know? And so when something like COVID comes, I'm like, I'll adjust. I'll figure it out. That's what I did last time yeah. I went through a bad cycle. You know, like I remember being 23, calling the credit card companies and being like, I can't afford to pay this bill. I need you. I need to go to collections, you know, and like, and I promised myself I'd never go back there again financially. Like in that moment, I was like, this sucks to be this extended and not and have no control over it. You know, I was like, it was terrible. I understand that wanted to get back there. I also, um, I, I want to say that I appreciate that generous spirit that you clearly have. And I can attest to it myself because one of the things when I moved back to Richmond a couple of years ago, I did when I, you know, I, I met you when, uh, I needed a headshot. Yeah. Uh, when I was first moving back here, it's a slick photo. <laughs> well, thank you. I need a new one. <laughs> Let's schedule it. Yeah, we can do it. Uh, but, uh, he's um, all booked up with me. Sorry. <laughs> Well, you know, but I was just getting uh, myself reconnected with the Richmond uh, community and you opened your Rolodex and you said, you got to meet these people. You introduced me to Fall Spicer and a whole bunch of other people. And that general, that generous spirit is something that I've uh, experienced. I try to emulate it myself and and I really appreciate it. Well, it's, uh, I appreciate you saying that. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 if that's what I get to kind of be remembered by, then I'm stoked. Should we should should you tell him or should I tell him? I think we oh, forgot something. Oh yeah, we did. We forgot Fuck. something really important. <laughs> I, it, actually, this is the hardest part. We probably actually should have told you at the beginning of the yeah. podcast. Okay. So sorry, Nick. Um, well, you, you go ahead. You're better okay. at it. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. You you're dead. 
What? He died. Oh, yeah. I forgot this part. Yeah, he died. <laughs> okay. But you get to hunt Richmond. Who would I hunt? Yeah. Yeah. Who, what, where? I wish I had like a more of an off the cuff ready to go answer for that. I wish I had a more off the cuff ready to go answer for that. Um, who, what, where? It's three different things. Oh, no, just, uh, just one. Just where would you want to hunt in Richmond? It come back as a ghost. Probably the river. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be weird. <laughs> Cool stuff happens at the river, man. Cool stuff happens at the river. And it's beautiful all the time. Definitely the river. Yeah, definitely the river. I love it. Who are you haunting at the river? Everybody. 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 Out of borders. Everybody, yeah. I remember, uh, have you seen the snorkelers that go out there? What? Yeah, they like get out there and they're just like kind of like waiting with their head down in the water, (laughs) like looking for treasure that's been dropped off the bridge. I would haunt that guy for sure. <laughs> I would haunt that guy. <laughs> Who let that guy in? That's so funny. All right. Well, Nick, thank you for your time today. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you sharing your story with us. Yeah. I, I uh, am grateful to share it. We are here to explore Richmond's stories of change and challenges with change so that we can learn from each other and grow together. Thanks for being a part of that, Nick. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. Oh, by, the, by the way, everybody should check out uh, cometogethervirginia.com. They should check out sidekickrva.com. And Nick, what's your personal website? It's nickdavis.us. Which if you do not have headshots with Nick, you need to run, not walk to schedule them. That's it for this week's episode of Partners in Change. A big shout out to our friends at Common House for providing us a space to bring this podcast to life. To Sonny Washburn for the killer music and to Adam Clark for the rad cover. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time, Richmond. This podcast has been brought to you by OpenEye. They are your partners in change.